What do we make about the Toronto Blue Jays? They play in the biggest market. They have a whole, basically half of the continent. And they're filled with stars and great expectations that fell short last year, including a spectacular collapse. Ben Alquist is here to talk about the Blue Jays and thoughts about their hopes of 2023. I'm pretty optimistic about them. Is he? Are you? The only thing that we're all sure about is that this is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. Wait, where is it? There it is. You can call me Sully. I'm begging you to call me Sully. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started in your betting. Hey, um, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We're at Locked On MLB Pods. Uh, I'm still on Twitter for the time being. You're just right there. Where is it? I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, and please, please, please subscribe to our show on the YouTubes. On the YouTubes, we are trying to get 1 billion followers. And also, uh, keep an eye out if you follow me on uh, Sully Baseball, but also retweet it on the Lockdown MLB Pods. Uh, In about a month or so, I'm going to be unveiling the new In Memoriam video, which I do at the beginning of each season. Um, there's some very big names that we're going to be paying tribute to this year, including Hall of Famers, Gaylord Perry, Hall of Famers, uh, Bruce Souter, and of course, the great Vince Scully, and we'll see, and uh, Ted Lerner, who I mentioned uh, on the podcast that we did earlier this week, the former owner of the Washington Nationals, obviously getting his due as well. Hey, uh, I want to talk today, We uh, last week or maybe the week before, for getting some of these shows blend in my brain. Uh, we had Ruth Capulis, who is a Toronto Blue Jay expert and part of the whole Sabre community in Toronto. She was on the show. We were talking about the Blue Jays' chances. And today I'm bringing in another special guest. I'm not sure if he's north of the border, but he's going to be talking about Team North of the Border, who has uh, interacted with me through the through the YouTubes. And we're bringing him aboard right now. He's uh, a brand-new friend of the podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about the Toronto Blue Jays with Ben Alquist, Ben, whoops, wrong side of the street. There you are. Switch us around. Sully, it's my lower third. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. Flip us around. Flip us around. Ben, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks, Sully. It's a great time to be here. Appreciate it. Well, it is. It is. I mean, pitchers and catchers uh, have reported. We have that weird sensation of seeing some of the players in their new uniforms for the first time. Um Last year, I picked the Toronto Blue Jays to win the American League pennant. I I do not think I was alone in that pick. No, nope, I was um, right there with you. And it's funny. I you I know you follow the podcast, and I do a thing called the Summer Score, uh, of which I keep track starting at Memorial Day 
of all the days a team is in a position for a playoff, a playoff spot, wild card or whatever, and the number of points you get for each day gets larger as the season goes on. You know, it sort of basically shows, you know, what kind of a summer that the uh, fans got. And, you know, obviously being in a wildcard position in June is not as exciting as being a wildcard position in September. Um, here's an interesting factor. I'm bringing this up for a reason. Some teams had a perfect summer score in that every single day after Memorial Day, they were in a position for a playoff spot. <laughs> One of those teams was the Toronto Blue Jays. There was not one day after Memorial Day, basically June, July, August, September, into October, there wasn't one single day where a Blue Jays fan woke up in the morning, looked at the standings, and didn't say, hey, we're a playoff team today. (laughs) And yet the season had this aura of failure they they fired the manager, the the, the awful collapse to, to Seattle. In a season which you could, which according to my metric, a summer that was perfect did not feel so perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, especially going throughout the season. Matt Chapman has ups and downs. Vlade Guerrero, you know, comparatively speaking, wasn't wasn't performing to what a lot of people expected to be a huge uh, replicating season compared to his 2021 season. And then we saw Bichette, obviously the ebbs and flows there and how um, his sprint speed is down. There, there's all kinds of factors across the board that had us worrying, uh, even though the statistics, uh, numerically speaking, per record were great. There there was this shadow of, of a curtain that kind of brought this daunting aura, as you say. Um, so I think 2022... Uh, coming in in 2022 here and going into 2023 season now is a great opportunity for this team. I'm really excited to talk about some of the moves. I have a very unpopular opinion on the Teoscar uh, Hernandez trade as well. And I think the front office had a very specific approach and blueprint as to how they wanted to approach this offseason. I think they executed almost, almost perfectly on this offseason. Well, before we get to the offseason going to this year, let's tie a bow on the 22 and two years. I said the year that I could point to and the year that is discussed almost don't seem like the same thing. I mean, the Blue Jays won 92 games. I mean, this was by no metric. They won 92 games. They would have been a wild card team under the old format. You know, they had the home field advantage. Granted, they didn't show up to the playoff, the two games against the Mariners. Yeah. Um, but they were, you know, they were in second place with 92 wins. And the only reason, you know, that wasn't a closer race was basically the fact that the first half of the season, everything went right for New York, everything, yeah. everything. And, and they have Aaron when, judge, <laughs> they had Aaron judge, but you know, I mean, the team finished the year 22 and 11. You know, they won 22 of their last 33 games and they got, I mean, they, they got to within what, like, uh, like, a, like two games or three games of the Yankees at one point. Uh, but like the Yankees built up such a gigantic lead yeah. that, you know, you, but even with the gigantic lead, I mean, it was what, seven games separated the two yep. and the, the Jays, I, I, I'm having a hard, I kind of have a hard time wrapping my head around 
why there was such a sense of failure about the team. And, and I have to say, I was thoroughly flummoxed when they fired Montoyo. And maybe yeah. you can shed a little bit of light. Granted, they played so much better uh, under um, uh, John Schneider. Yep. And they played like 20 games above 500 under John Snyder, I think. But I just felt it was strange that a guy had the team in the play- in a playoff position and suddenly had to update his LinkedIn page and, and start <laughs> applying for new jobs. Right. You know, it's fascinating. That's a, that's a great question to kind of bring to the table because if you look at the expectation going into 2022, and you and I are on the same page, I thoroughly thought I had Toronto Blue Jays as top five team in the league. They have the talent. You look at Bichette, you look at Guerrero, you look at the starting rotation. They were bringing Gosman in. Um, they just mm-hmm. they just upticked the bullpen. They're, they had all the puzzle pieces to make the execution come to fruition and meet the expectations. I think at some point during the season, again, this is all speculation. At some point during the season, there was a there was a click in the front office, and the front office front office understood. Hey, these guys. We have Guriel Jr. We have Teoscar Hernandez. We have Vladdy Guerrero. They're having a blast. They're having great fun. But sometimes there can be juxtaposing concepts between fun and winning. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big culture guy. I think clubhouse culture is really important. You got to have fun. You got to you got to love coming to work to, to ultimately execute and perform to the highest level. But I think what they were seeing is that this is a very young team. They had the components to win. But what they lacked was a the competitive drive the exposure to uh, pieces that had won and performed in high leverage positions and playoffs and X, Y, Z. And so they had all the puzzle pieces, but where those puzzle pieces weren't coming together was the experience, the competitive drive and the focus to get to where they needed to be, which is ultimately competitive playoff positioning. Right. And so bringing in new, new mentality from a coaching perspective, I think really reinvigorated and, and kind of lit that fire in everyone's butt that, Oh yeah, we're having a blast playing but we still need to execute and get to where and, and meet and have that parallel act between expectations and performance. Right. Um, and I think that ties into what they've done a lot with the off season blueprint as well. You know, it's funny that uh, I had no thoughts here or there about John Schneider. To me, he was a generic, you know, you know, out of the box manager that I had no thoughts about. Uh, and when, the 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 wildcard series ended so horrifically with the the Mariners coming from behind uh whatever the heck that was like eight one or whatever the score was that they came from yeah. behind it. Um and the and the team just collapsed at home and didn't win a single game. I remember I turned to my friend after the listening to that game and I said, Well, uh looks like a new manager's coming to Toronto. <laughs> I mean I just figured like you know, he's an interim manager. They played well under him, but they just absolutely wet the bed. And I yeah. thought like, okay, there are high profile names out there, whether it's Bruce Bochy or Joe Madden or whomever it is, there's some big highfalutin names out there. And John Schneider at the helm of this horrific collapse. I thought like, okay, well, you know, it'll probably cost him nothing to get rid of this yeah. guy and just bring someone new in. So I have to admit, I was a little surprised when John Schneider uh, was was welcomed back. Yeah, I, I you know, I think it's twofold. Um, one part of it is I personally, I, I do understand the concept of when you look at management and when there's failure of, of execution and there's obviously a certain degree right. of that, um, 
you know, another another moment that that comes to fruition is that when the Seattle Mariners threw in Robbie Ray against Jordan Alvarez and Alvarez has a, a huge track record of just raking Robbie Ray, how much of that fault goes to management? Yes, a significant part. I mean, the, the statisticians should have should have pulled together a little bit more of a strategic plan there. However, um, if you look at how they performed in the regular season, and obviously what everyone's looking at is postseason performance, right? And there should be a significant weight that goes into that. There was a turnaround. There was a direct impact as he came into the team and, and led the team and, and started to make sure that, that there was kind of an infusion between where they should be and where they are going, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that at some point, the front office just said, we're going to build around it. You know, and that's when you bring in Don Mattingly with a little bit more of a of a tenure there, and you start to put together some pieces um, that that can start to scale and build around this coaching staff. Do well, I think it's the perfect combination? Yeah. No. Do I think it's a step up from where they were beginning twenty twenty two? I think I think so. Well, look at one thing they needed. It looked like from that first part of the year, the whole team needed a little bit of a boost they just needed yes. some form of a little boost to give that little bit of energy and by the way if you're looking for a boost of energy try a built bar look at we've made it past some of those first hurdles of the new year if you're trying to eat healthy and lose weight like super bowl parties or valentine's day candies all right but easter's coming right up for those of you who celebrate which means lots of those peeps lots of those candies look out Look out, you'll get good and pudgy just in time for bathing suit weather. That's why you got to try Built Bars, okay? They're healthy, but they're actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you, but they're perfect if you're trying to keep up your New Year's resolutions. Here, here's what makes them so great. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. You heard me right, real chocolate. And great flavors. Churro, my favorite, which is raspberry, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, mint chip, all the great stuff. I don't know Bill does it. I've asked. They won't tell me. <laughs> These bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. For those of you who are into the sabermetrics of candy, let me tell you, this isn't candy, okay? This is a five-tool player. They've got 130 calories, four grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. Come on. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about getting the box. I used to love getting the box. Go to built.com. You could still do that, but you could also go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of built bars. Get a four bar box, cookies, creams, double chocolate, coconut puffs. I won't judge. Or if you go to Sam's Club, you grab a 13 bar box with a hit flavors brownie batter, churro. You can thank me later. They're all so great. They're all good for you, and they taste great. They're built bars. And like the jingle says, Built Bars, they're still good. We're heading with Ben Alquist, who is our new Toronto Blue Jays aficionado. Um, let's you know, talk Sully, little... I can imagine you getting all those plastic Easter eggs and stuffing them full of Built Bars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, come Halloween, you stop by Casa del Sully, trick or treat, here's your Built Bar. Some raspberry Built Bars. Raspberry Built Bars, come on. <laughs> By the way, that's not really the jingle. That's not even their slogan. I just the the copy just kind of ends, and I think it needs a button. And because it needs something I'm, to spice it up. I'm a I'm a composer at heart. Music is my life, and uh, I I really put my back into that uh, jingle. Built bars, 
they're still good. You're parallel um, the Rihanna performance on that. I'm telling you, we well, just need to get you a platform now. <laughs> dude, I'm next year's halftime show. That's all. <laughs> I'll, I'll hold you to that, Sully. <laughs> and uh, if you want me to be the halftime show, uh, put hashtag Sully halftime. Hashtag <laughs> Sully halftime, and we can do that. We can make this work. We can make this work. Hold on. Can I do that there like this? Hold on a second. Um, so we're good. So anyway, uh, that's not it. Okay, I was trying to do uh, um, that'd be hashtag Sully halftime. This is when you shouldn't be doing stuff on the fly, but what the heck? There you go. We're trying new things hashtag today. There we go. Sully halftime. There you Love go. It. There you go. I want to see that. I want that trending. Let's go. Let's go. Like most of the world, who is this guy? Why is he talking about the Brewers infield at the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show? Right. <laughs> hey, um, we're not talking Brewers. We're talking Blue Jays. Uh, we're only focusing on teams that Paul Molitor won a World Series with. Um, so the there's a lot of moves that were made. Uh, the big move was, and I think this is a move that's going to wind up helping two teams. Yep. The deal with the Oscar Hernandez, um, he was sent packing to um, uh, the uh, uh, Seattle Mariners in a deal that, you know, is going to give the, uh, give the pitching staff a legitimate boost and uh, that they clear very clearly needed. Yeah. And um, I think Teoscar Hernandez will play very well in Seattle. I think he's going to be a good fit there, but, and then they bring in Kiermaier, uh, behind the scenes in comes Mattingly. I've, I have some thoughts on that, but you know, I'll, I'll, if you're not going to say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your thoughts about a year where they won 92 games and uh, you know, a lot of players didn't play up to the back of their baseball cards. Yep. What, what are your thoughts on this year's uh, the moves and what that means? Yeah. Great question. I think let's, let's go ahead and start with, uh, Teoscar Hernandez, because we could talk about Swanson, Varsho, Kiermaier, kind of being the mm-hmm. the three yeah. staple pieces throughout the offseason. But if we look at specifically Teoscar Hernandez, fan favorite, you know, obviously you're in the ballpark screaming, Tay, <laughs> get the chance yeah. going. Fan favorite in the in the ballpark because he's he's obviously enjoyable. He's got the personality. He's always smiling. He, he brings something to the clubhouse like we talked about. Right. And he has uh, obviously multi-time silver slugger. Great offensive production, good athlete. Uh, defense leaves a little bit to love there. But if we're just looking at it from a statistical perspective, let's just com- compare Kevin Kiermeyer to to Teosco uh, Hernandez in that sense. Kiermeyer is absolutely incredible. I mean, he he gets a bad name because of some of the clips we've seen, like him cutting off Randy Arrows Arena. But if you're looking at it specifically from the purview of what this guy does in t- in terms of run prevention. Kevin Kiermaier is one of the most elite players we've seen if he if he's healthy playing 120 plus games, which is rare. I'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, but if he's healthy, he's one of the most elite defensive players we've seen this generation. I mean, I'm talking put him up there with the best of the best in terms of what he does defensively. If you prorate his outs above average or defensive runs saved per inning, Kevin Kiermaier is among the best of the best. Like it's just hands down there. Um, if we go back to, I believe it was 2017, uh, Kevin Kiermaier was actually on track to post a six war if he played healthy throughout 162 game average. And so if we're, if we're looking at it just from the purview of st- statistics and, and the nerd talk on all that fun stuff, 
Teoscar Hernandez, great, good offensive production. Kevin Kiermeyer is going to get a lot of the less sexy capturing in terms of wins produced um, specifically from the team's point of view. And we see that with his elite defense, his amazing speed, and what he can bring in terms of run prevention. Now, in that view, who has a higher ceiling in terms of war? It's going to be Kevin Kiermeyer. It's just happening in less sexy ways. He's not going to put up 25, 35 homers. He's not going to get you a silver slugger. He's going to steal bases. He's going to keep runs off the board. And he's going to bring that that pitching ERE way down to parallel the FIP, right? Uh, which is obviously what people are looking for, feeling independent pitching. And so I think that trade, the Teoscar Hernandez for the Eric Swanson and Adam Mako trade, really put them in a position to go after a Kevin Kevin Kiermeyer. Right. And Kevin Kiermeyer's production-wise, in terms of war, which is wins above replacement, essentially how many wins uh, this player brings to the table over an average MLB player, is going to be a, a net positive over, over Teoscar Hernandez, which sounds weird saying, uh, right. but that's because we're offensive you know, superstars. That's, that's the world we live in, is we love watching the Aaron Judges go after offensive metrics. Defense is not as sexy, right? And so bringing back what that looks like, Eric Swanson's a stud. I mean, you look at that baseball savant page, he's redder than a lobster across all those, the key metrics like whiffs and strikeouts and, and hard hit percentage. Eric Swanson is among the elites when it comes to what he brings to the table in a, in a bullpen, given it's just one year of production. Uh, he's still trending upwards. And then Adam Mako brings some pitching prospect into the farm system, which the Blue Jays need to replenish as well. Um, over in the Seattle farm system, I did a little research. He's highly touted. I mean, he's got great stuff across the board. People are really excited about Adam Mako. So I think just like you said, Soliad, Seattle was looking for offensive production. We could see that in the 17-inning game against the Houston Astros in the playoffs, right? <laughs> Where it was 0-0 right, right. to zero or whatever it was. Uh, so Seattle's looking for offense. Toronto's looking to bolster their their uh, run prevention game and bring a serious mentality. So I think it's a win across uh, across the board. It's one of the rare times where both teams win in that type of trade situation. I have to ask this question because sometimes the offseason gets a little uh, banana boat time and you, and you mm-hmm. lose track of who goes where and where goes where. Um, remind me the 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 pitching staff right now. Obviously, you got Alec Manoa. You got Chris Bassett. Uh, is coming over there. Yep. Um, now, now Stripling's no longer there, right? Yep. Stripling, Stripling left. Stripling left. Um, is Gosman? Gosman is still there, or no? Did Gosman skedaddle? Yeah, it'll be Manoa, Gosman, Bassett, uh, Brios, uh, Kikuchi, and then okay, probably okay. Rio will take over for Kikuchi when he comes back. Uh, All right, in here, July, I believe. Here, here's what I here's what I'm I'm bringing up. Those two names, Brios and Kikuchi. Okay. Um, Brios was my dark horse Cy Young pick last year for this reason. I thought the Blue Jays were going to have a like a hundred win season, and I thought it was one of those rising tides, sort of like someone from that team would get it. And I just sort of right. threw a dart at the board. I should have said Manoa, but <laughs> I didn't. Um, Brios is still relatively young. Um, he did. He had a bad year last year, but he did throw a lot of innings. Yep. He did stay healthy. And so I can't help but look at pitchers who had down years. Obviously, Kikuchi was dreadful. Yeah. And Barrios was was not much better. And one of the reasons why I have, and, and Ruth Capulis and I didn't agree on everything, here's one of the reasons why I feel good about the Blue Jays' chances. They're right there. That's like 
40% of their starts they made last year, roughly, yep. between Barrios and Kikuchi, whose ERA had an area code in it. It was so big. Okay? <laughs> yep. And yet, and yet the team won 92 games. And so if you take Barrios, okay, maybe he won't be the, the star-level pitcher he was with Minnesota or when mm-hmm. I threw a dart at the board of a, a, a Cy Young kid. If he becomes an average pitcher, if he becomes, eh, you know, eh, okay, whatever, he fills the role. Right there, that's an improvement. Yes. Right there. And by doing things like you're saying, what Kiermaier brings to the table isn't as sexy as Teoscar Hernandez. It's not going to get the big contract. But there are things like, you know, there, there there's things that you can see in terms of, of focusing on catching the ball. Yes, and making the defense elite in Toronto yep. can't help but improve the stands of some of the pitchers who you're hoping will have a rebound here. Yes, absolutely. You're 100 percent correct, Sully, and and I 100 percent agree with you. Brios is positioned for a turnaround year. You go back to 2019; he posted a 4.4 WAR. Mm-hmm. 2021, I mean, one season ago, this guy put up a four-win season. Yeah, right. Exactly. And even as even as bad as he was in 2022 from a fan's perspective, he still posted a 1.1 more. Right. Because he and I think because he was a major league pitcher who made all of his starts, he threw 174 right. innings. They weren't great innings, but those yep. were innings. You know, I mean, this is something that like, drives me banana boats sometimes when we're starting. We're constantly seeing pitchers being pulled you know, after two turns through the rotation, no yeah. matter with no regard to with how they're pitching. 100%. Is that, gee whiz, I wonder why all of our bullpens are blown out by the time we get to the postseason. Well, they're pitching four innings a day. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes having someone, I mean, as as a native New Englander, you know, watching the Red Sox, I remember there was a bunch of times, you know, Tim Wakefield, who pitched for the Red Sox, he may still be pitching for, for all I know. Um <laughs> Here's no one has ever said this. How did Wakefield do last night? Yeah, okay. No one ever said that. It was either, oh my God, he, he dominated, or oh God, it wasn't pretty. But <laughs> he gave them innings. Yeah. And you knew that, you know, he you weren't gonna even if he let up five home runs to Detroit, he was gonna pitch into the six. And I mean, I'm, it drives me when I say, well, he's let up one hit and one walk, struck out 15 in the first five and third innings. But no, no, it says it's third time through the order. So in comes the guy who's pitched eight days in a row. And he's yeah. like, God, you know, his arm is bulging out because he can't throw. And then by the time we get into extra innings, whether or not they have the stupid ghost runner or not, it's like, geez, we may have to pitch a, a position player because we've run out of pitchers. Yeah, right. maybe he should have used three in the fourth. Yeah, you know, and 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 someone like again, Barrios and Kikuchi had lousy years last year. So what if they do better than lousy? I yeah. mean, I mean, Manoa, you Manoa had a great year last year. He had, I mean, you could have made the case for him being the uh, the Cy Young Award winner. Yes. Um. Wait, who the hell? Oh, Verlander won. Okay. Um. And, well uh, earned, in fairness. Well, well earned. <laughs> no, well earned. But I actually, you know, I do who owns baseball, where I I check on with the best game in the American League nationally. Manoa had the highest who owned baseball of any American League pitcher. I think I, I mean, look at, uh, I mean, Valdez is going to be the ace of that staff of the yeah. Houston staff, and he's a well deserved. Verlander had a wonderful year. You could make the argument that 
Valdez was the most valuable pitcher based on his innings pitched and everything. And I absolutely think he should have won the World Series MVP. That yes. being said, you have a you have a legit Cy Young contender in his mid twenties, um, and you have a good you know Stripling is gone, but you have a you could have if you have those two pitchers who everyone th- knows were talented, yeah, just rise to mediocrity. Right there, that's a huge step up for this Toronto team. This this team, I think, is being slept on oh, yeah. astronomically. So they are. I, I saw your your episode. I believe you put it out on Monday, where you did AL rankings. Mm-hmm. I have Blue Jays at ninety seven to ninety nine games, and it wouldn't surprise me if they were north of hundred. And that's not me being a fanboy. That's me just looking at what they've done over the offseason. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on this because I don't like being embarrassed and wrong. But I'm ninety nine percent positive returning they had the highest cumulative war on their team so their offseason plan wasn't to replace and re-strategize it was to restructure to reinforce the the components they already had and take them to the next level what they did i mean their, their blueprint was pretty simple it was add depth to the starting rotation which they did with bassett i think bassett's incredibly underrated for what he's done he's mr consistency yes. since 2018 dude again, has like another major league pitcher who gives you a lot of innings and that only helps the bullpen Hundred percent, hundred percent. And then you look at what they've done. They needed to add some left-handed bats. They did that with Kiermaier. They have brought in Belt. However, you feel about Belt uh, depends on what version of Belt you're going to get, right? And my they also brought in belt. Dalton. My version. dad loved Belt, so I can't, I can't say a bad <laughs> thing about Belt. I, I think Belt is elite when it comes to plate discipline and what he does. I don't think that talent's going away. He'll still be able to produce on base percentage, uh, which, as we've seen with Moneyball, is is a has a direct correlation with what they can do in terms of creating runs. He gets on base. There you go. He he gets on base. <laughs> um, and then the last thing they need to do is add swing and miss potential to the bullpen, which they did with Eric Swanson as well. Yeah. So I think they nailed it, man. I, I honestly think Blue Jays, there's a there's only a few teams, like maybe like three, four teams that have had a better offseason than Blue Jays. I think uh, I- yeah. If I were Blue Jays, I would have gone after a Brandon Nimmo. I would have put a little bit more bank in the penny, uh, penny in the in the bank there. Uh, I think Nimmo would have been a perfect fit. Maybe over, I would have gone Nim, Nimmo over Kiermaier and still went to trade after uh, Varsho, but apples and bananas in that case. I think case, Varsho right? is going to do great there too. I think it's a great think- pickup. Do you what? Look at, I think, you, would you say uh, 100 uh, p- potential 100 wins? You think yep. if I do, what's their over under? Their over under is like 92 wins or something like that. I mean, I you got to be picking that's an over, easy right? over. That's an easy yeah. over for me. And you, yeah. where you, and you, where you drop that bet, you drop that at FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. Sorry, we're talking America right here. And we're at the midway point of the NBA season. Will this be another Raptors year? See, I try to bring it back to you. This is the perfect time to download FanDuel because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to 1000 American dollars. Sorry, man. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's free, secure, and easy to use. You can bet on anything from the money line to point scores to threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. Say that three times fast. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash on. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the National Basketball Association.
All right. Well, we are here. Final segment with Ben Alquist. Hey, Ben, I, I just assumed you were north of the border. For all I know, you're hugging Buffalo right now. <laughs> I'm in the greater Seattle area. I'm just a Blue Jays fan you and advocate. Mo- you, 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 you lied to me. This is how big. <laughs> this is how big a T. Oscar Hernandez fan is. You followed him all the way to Seattle. Ah, so yeah. <laughs> your brethren, in the, your brethren in the 1977 uh emergency expansion by the way it's one of my favorite little uh what ifs in the history of baseball i'll just throw this your way <laughs> i've mentioned this before listeners of the show um these the white Sox were about to move to seattle in 1976 and danny k was going to bring him to seattle and the giants were packing up to move to toronto and the at the last minute um bill veck stepped in and bought the White Sox and kept them in Chicago. And I think it was Lurie. I forget who the owner of the Giants were, but kept them in San Francisco. And the good folks of Seattle were going to sue Major League Baseball and uh, expose the antitrust exemption. And the good folks in Toronto says, we don't care about your antitrust exemption. We're in Canada. We're going to sue the tar out of you. (laughs) And uh, in a bizarre coincidence, at that moment, suddenly baseball said, hey, we're going to expand. Uh, into those into those <laughs> specific cities. Uh, Please don't expose the antitrust exemption. And uh, in came the Mariners and in came the Toronto Blue Jays in 1977 to placate a bunch of people who were about to sue. Okay, well, okay, this is this is wild and interesting. Um, you're you're in, in the Northwest. Go Cougs. Go Washington State. Um, that's where I got my master's degree from. Really. Um, so tell us a little, how, how did you get into the Blue Jays when you should have been hanging up pictures of Jay Buhner and uh, Ichiro and Ichiro Randy Johnson, and, and, Ken Griffey and Jr. <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. and uh, uh, Dan Wilson and uh, who else were on those great teams? You had one of the Coras was there, A-Rod, remember A-Rod? A-Rod, Edgar A-Rod, Martinez. A- Edgar Martinez was on that team. Yep. Yep, you know, those uh, fun, fun teams there. Then later you had uh, uh, Carlos Guillen, and later Ooh. you had Ichiro, and you yep. had uh, Mike Freddy Cameron Garcia. on those teams. Yep, and, you know, Freddie Garcia was on those teams, and and you had was, uh, Kaz Suzaki coming out of the bullpen, and eventually King Felix. And, oh, you should have been just having – you've been saying, my, oh, my, and busting mm-hmm. out the mm-hmm. rye bread and the, and – and for the Grand Salamis, and no, you're pining for Vernon Wells. Yeah. So, and and the late great Roy Halladay, may he rest in peace. How the hell are you a Blue Jays fan? I'm both. Uh, listen, I'm a huge, I'm a sports guy. When you're in a 21 year drought in your home city, you you look for enjoyment elsewhere. <laughs> I hear you. I hear. You. I get you. I get you. So uh, I, I grew up as a little youngster on the Mariners, obviously. Uh, shortly thereafter, the 2001 season, I started. My dad was a big Minnesota Twins fan. And so he's like, I'm Twins and Mariners. And I was like, well, I'm Twins and Blue Jays. Ha ha. You know? <laughs> Excuse awful, me. Apologies. times in the Alquist household in 1991 when they uh, faced off in the ALCS. Yeah, no joke there. No joke there. You know, and it's been a fun ride, especially as, as, as the Blue Jays are coming to fruition over the last couple of years. Um, really rekindled my my interest um, with what they've done with the farm system, bringing up Vladdy and Bichette. Um, and I think they've they've really done a good job of structuring, creating this blueprint as to where they are today. You know, um, when we talk about potential, Blue Jays have positioned themselves really 
strongly into this potential framework over the next three, four years. It's a scary team. Um, and I have a lot of respect for, for the management and the front office side of things as they move towards strategic building. Um, and that's, that's where the Blue Jays are today. So listen, uh, I'm, I'm about 50, 50 between Blue Jays and Seattle. And that's what made the, the playoffs really challenging. What the hell did you do this last October? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm telling you those, (laughs) those two games, it was, it was weird because you're like, oh, I'm going to win either way. Yeah. But really, it's like... Well, guess what, Harvey Dent? You didn't. You didn't. <laughs> how, how are you not heartbroken? Uh, if you're rooting for both teams, how are you not heartbroken by the great implosion that we saw that second game? You just... Yeah. Your heart just shatters, especially as you have that collision between Bichette and Springer in center as Seattle goes to tie the game. It's like this, do I cheer? Do I mourn like what's going on and it's like the ripping at the seams um so it was more of a lose-lose than a win-win is what it felt like (laughs) have have you ever seen those people play themselves in chess where they make a move then they turn the board and they make a move and they turn the board that that was you watching that series there oh well absolutely well look and you and i got in uh connected via the the locked on mlb youtube world yep. so you you do your own thing to tell people a little bit of what you've done yeah absolutely so my backgrounds in marketing communications i've i've led a couple different national companies um and you know especially coming in in 2021 2022 season i'm like listen i always tell people if, if you want to do something make your own personal brand whether you want to be an influencer dancing on TikTok or start talking about things that that you enjoy right and so I'm like, why am I not just recording things and putting it up on YouTube? I started doing that this offseason. I started covering some, some offseason news and predictions. <laughs> Hashtag solely halftime. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, you were saying? So, yeah, yeah, I was saying. So I created at Whiskey on, on um, YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, where I'm just focusing mainly on shorts, covering things like the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Uh, I did some prediction stuff going into into the the first GM meetings that we've had in a couple of years. And that's, you know, I, I'm just I just love talking baseball. And that's why I found locked on locked on MLB is I was striving to to learn more about the <coughs> excuse me, the landscape as a whole in the baseball space. And I think there's a lot of potential, you know, as I'm looking at <clears throat> as I'm looking at baseball fall down in terms of relative viewership compared to NFL and um and some of the other major sports, I'm I'm thinking to myself, a lot of it's because there aren't content creators that are coming out here and making baseball fun and interesting. So, you know, I found the Locked On series, the Locked On podcast series. And I think you guys are doing a great job at just speaking simplistic truth and facts and uniting communities and having fun conversations. And that's what brought us together today, Soli. So it's yeah. been a great time. <laughs> and as you can tell from the banner underneath, we're going to keep the brand going um you know gonna put me on the halftime show there you go yeah i want to see that sully halftime let's go see that let's maybe see what you that. could do is like a, a giveaway on twitter on the lockdown mlb twitter where you you require people to do hashtag sully halftime and uh you give away like a box of built bars we got to work with the good folks at built bar to do we got to work with the guys at built bars <laughs> all right well hey ben alcos where can people find some of your great stuff Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's Whiskey on Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. And those are the three that you can find me at. And 
Um, maybe, maybe I'll make an appearance on on Locked On MLB or maybe Locked On something else at some point. Maybe, maybe. Right, we'll, we'll go see. We'll go see. Well, hey, look at it. was great having you aboard. This is actually the first time we've ever talked. We've exchanged messages and everything, but it's the first time we've ever talked. But this is a lot of fun and uh, love to have you on again. Um, by the way, I just want to thank everyone for making Locked On MLB your first listen every day. Your second listen, have that be Locked On MLB Prospects, friend of the podcast and host of that program, Lindsey Crosby. He's a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Talking about the Blue Jays with a very confused man in the Pacific Northwest who doesn't know who the hell to root for when <laughs> it's time for the Jays to play the Mariners. But make sure you get Sully Halftime trending on Twitter. This has been Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.